Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Brents. I'm joined by Nick Alatrist. How are you doing, Nick? I'm great. It's a great morning here. Every every day closer to uh, draft day. We're excited. We're excited. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since we were able to get a basketball podcast, but we're starting nice and early this year comparatively to what the actual NBA season is. We're going to be doing some draft prep progress uh, reports and such. Um, Nick, how are you feeling about this draft overall? Are you excited about it? Are you concerned? I'm definitely excited. I mean, um, I know we've talked a little bit about there's no real guaranteed, like, immediate fantasy stud, like, out of this class in, in my book. But I think no matter what, the top five-ish are going to be big fantasy players eventually or maybe right away. You never know. It depends on the guy. Um but all in all, it's going to be – there's a lot of talent, and I think the lack of March Madness gives some teams with lower picks uh, a shot at getting someone who might have gone higher with March Madness or with the whole season. Like, I feel like the way it was cut short benefits teams picking in the 15 range. Um, and in general, there is a lot of talent. I could uh, All the way down the board in the first round, it looks pretty pretty healthy talent. Yes, I agree. Uh, I am looking forward to getting into it. Obviously, without the March Madness, as you were saying, there's definitely going to be uh, no clear-cut players in specific spots. And I think you can see that based on how many different mocks there are and how many people are undecided about who's going where and teams are undecided about who actually should be at the top, who should be in the middle, stuff like that. We are also joined today by Ray Kuhn. Ray, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I mean, it, obviously, we got the shortest off season ever. Unlike LeBron, <laughs> I will be ready December 22nd. I'm not going to give any rumors or talk about taking a month off or anything like that. I will be ready. I will be <laughs> there. We may not know where the Raptors are going to play, if they're going to have a home. I mean, I, I kind of get it. I mean, I'm doing the podcast right now. I'm, you know, off like, you know, like a second third class citizen here my you know my wife has one room my daughter has another room and i'm just hiding in the corner here so i mean i, I kind of get how the raptors are feeling 
And I think as far as the draft goes, Nick touched on it with the lack of March Madness. I think it's very interesting that obviously we have a lot less information to go on than in years past. But the other thing is there's no combine. We haven't seen these guys since the end of February. That also means that they haven't really played competitive basketball for by the time season starts close to 10 months. So I think there's a, we're in uncharted territory and I think there's a lot of questions to be, to be asked and answered, but at the same time, talent always, talent always wins. And while relatively speaking, it's maybe a little bit of weaker draft class. There's still some talented players that could help your fantasy team this season. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you hit it right on on the head. There's players who haven't played since February. There's players like Lamelo who haven't played since November of last year, and they're coming up on a year. Same with James Wiseman. So, you know, like, what's a year off do for you? Are you guys working on your game in the gym? Are you guys not working on your game? Some players have been in for just interviews, and some have done well, some haven't. I mean, the one player who's probably boosted stock the most is Denny Avdia. Uh, uh, and that's only because he was actually able to play during the summer slash fall um, with his team because uh, Euroball actually came back a little bit. So he actually is probably the only player who's been able to help or hurt his stock in the last six months. So it, it will definitely be interesting for sure. You're not going to have someone like a, like a Gordon Hayward from years back who was able to jump up the lottery list with a, a – sensational March Madness. You're not going to have people who have hurt their stocks by having terrible March Madnesses. So it would definitely be interesting to see who goes where and what the pro teams see in these draft prospects. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be going through ESPN's uh, top uh, 10 players on their big board. Uh, We're going to be talking about what the players bring to the fantasy realm uh what they can and can't translate over and what we kind of expect um of any type of developing skills if there are any for some of these players so guys why don't we jump in um but before we do that uh nick why don't you give your twitter handle yeah so on twitter you can find me at nick alatriste um i also have a a a podcast called the banter heads which is not as sports driven it's more culture driven so if you're into that Go ahead and check it out. Um, and, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at the same handle, Nick Alatriste, N-I-C-K-A-L-A-T-R-I-S-T-E. And what about you, Ray? I am on Twitter at Ray underscore Kuhn underscore 28. And I can be found at B Brennis FWFB on Twitter. So, guys, why don't we jump on in? And the number one player on the big board right now is LaMelo Ball. So, Ray, what are you expecting with LaMelo? Obviously, we know he's a great passer. Um, His jump shot and his scoring efficiency aren't great, but obviously he's going to be very similar to his brother. He's going to be able to get some rebounds. He's going to be able to get assists. People have said that he's the best ball brother of them all. I don't think he's as good defensively as Lonzo. He's probably going to be a better scorer. But what do you expect from him in the fantasy realm, uh, regardless of where he goes? What can you expect season one, let's say? 
I think <clears throat> I think it's going to depend on where he goes to some extent, but somebody like Ball, he's, he's going he's gonna to get drafted. He's going to play. He's going to probably play 25, 30 minutes a game to start. He's the shooting is yeah, it's going to be somewhat of a somewhat of a question mark, somewhat of a concern, and I think that it, it's going to it, not to say that he's going to be system dependent, but I mean if he goes number one to, to Minnesota, obviously you have Towns, you have somebody controlling the middle. I think he's he's going to share the ball, he's going to be explosive. Is the question for me is going to come down to how much opposing defenses respect or don't respect his ability to shoot, and then how crispy can be hitting those hitting those passing lanes. So I'm not sure we're going to see him have like a 30, 40 point game. It's going to be more of a, a you know, like a well balanced meal. You're going to get some points. You're going to get some rebounds. You're going to get the assists. He's gonna be a nice. He's gonna be a nice contributor. I don't think he's the best fantasy player in this class, though. Is there a player that uh, is in our current fantasy realm that you would say is a good comparison to what he brings to the table? Is there someone that you're like, oh, I consider him? You know, depending on where he goes, obviously that he would be a top X player. Do you have someone like that that you would rank him near? Right. I mean. The, the the first name that comes to mind, and it's it, it sounds it sounds a little weird and almost disrespectful to somebody that is ranked as the top player, but somebody like a George Hill, like I think he's going to just be a very good point guard that based that he might be more useful to to the actual team than his fantasy team. It's gonna really depend on because I don't see the scoring upside. I think he has more scoring upside than his brother. I'm not sure that really counts for much. And I think there's obviously value in being a well-rounded contributor in rebounds, assists, steals, all that stuff. But I, but also keep in mind, he's going to be going to a bad team that likely lacks some drafted shooting options and some of those players that are going to really that are going to space the floor and really give him a chance at double-digit assists every night. Nick, is this someone that you are wary of drafting with the potential top overall pick um, and fancy first-year player drafts just because of the uncertainty of where he's going? Or is this someone that you're like, regardless of where he goes, he's going to be a top pick, a top five pick, top three? Where, where does he fall for you, and, and what does he bring to the table that you that you can – feel like you're banking on every given day from a fantasy perspective that you actually feel is useful for Roto purposes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I'd have him pretty much entrenched in the top three, but I have not seen enough on Denny to like just officially put him in the top three. And I feel like OB Toppin is more of a um, super high floor guy in fantasy. Um, Whereas LaMelo is definitely the upside is, is, is there. And I know you said, yeah, he'll probably end up on a bad team in the, I don't see it happening, but in the event he ends up on the Warriors or something, I think his, his overall uh, statistical numbers will be higher, like assists, stuff like that. Um, and it would definitely take some pressure off of him um, as far as offense is concerned. 
I don't see the fit, obviously. You know, they have, what, three guards already now that are ball dominant. Um, it's it's interesting. Uh, I think that what when I'm checking out the difference between Lombello and Lonzo, what I see most is the aggressiveness. Like, Lonzo never came into the league already sure of himself. Like, he was so great in, in college and – I expected him to come out like and just set the league on fire. And there was always kind of something there with the aggressiveness. Lamelo is the exact opposite. You might have to worry about his um, focus at times, um, at least from what we've seen. You know, it would have been great to see him play uh, some college hoops. But he definitely, he definitely has the upside to be at, I think, over a 20-point scorer. Just seeing from his highlights, I mean, he's not going against NBA talent or anything, but he makes really flashy plays here and there. He could, you know, he could hit a spin move. He can, he can get, he can hit the NBA three. Like I definitely think the efficiency is going to be an issue. So that's why year one in fantasy, I'm not super excited. Um, but then again, Trey Young, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Trey Young, but Trey Young was wildly inefficient his entire rookie year. And now look at him. He's one of the biggest fantasy pieces. So He's definitely worth investing in. Um, I wouldn't take him number one yet. Depending on where he lands, that might change. I feel um, like there's a couple things that Trey Young brings to the table that Lamella doesn't. I feel like there's a much larger scoring upside. I feel like there's more three upside and there's a lot of um, uh, free throw percentage upside that Lamella doesn't bring. Obviously, he shot 70% while he was um, overseas. Now that can improve, but Trey Young had shot much better from the line in college. There was more scoring upside. Obviously, you know Lamella can take over to, uh, a game like that, but it will take some time, as you were saying, so you're going to have to go through some inefficient um, times. I feel the two best landing spots for him for fantasy purposes could easily be either Golden State so that he could develop with a winning culture and he doesn't need, necessarily need to do as much from the scoring perspective, which can help him learn to be more efficient. And then I also think that if he were to end up in Chicago, I feel like those are two places that he could actually benefit from being around a team that maybe has a different type of mentality as opposed to, say, the Wolves, which... If they're not going to improve, they're going to risk losing Carl Anthony Towns and potentially even D'Angelo Russell in, let's say, two years' time. Or if he goes to someone like uh, Charlotte, where you know they already have some lead guards, they have Rozier, they have Graham, they they don't have any bigs, they don't really have any good wings. You know, they, there's a lot of different situations where he could end up being someone who I don't value as much for fantasy purposes, depending on where he lands, which you can't really say about someone who could con- be considered the top overall pick for fantasy or for uh, real life basketball. Guys, why don't we move on to um, number two on our board, which is Anthony Edwards. Um, I've heard some people state that he could be someone like a, uh, a Bradley Beal or that he could turn into like a Donovan Mitchell type person. But for me, there's someone who's going to be an inefficient scorer. Typically, you don't see someone from uh, a school like Georgia going that early. And that kind of shows how potentially uh, middle-tiered this class is. 
that it's not necessarily super strong, that it's not necessarily going to light the world on fire as other drafts in the past have been. Let's take last year when you had John Morant and Zion Williamson. But, Nick, what are you expecting from Anthony Edwards that you feel are bankable skills that he can bring to fantasy? What do you like about his game? Um, I Well, his athleticism is just, it's 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 extremely tantalizing um i definitely think um he didn't help himself by going to georgia i would have much rather have seen him obviously go play at duke or somewhere with a bigger uh coach you know it is what it is some of these players just get drawn to i mean no one thought alabama would be a school and i mean i'm not saying i'm not a big fan of colin sexton but you know, at, at, sometimes they just go to weird schools. Um, however, seeing him play, the, the kid is definitely, he's a freak. Um, he he kind of reminds me of Oladipo, but probably with, he has more immediate three-point upside. Um, I, de- I don't see the efficiency being there um, at all, but I think that this kid is going to be the highlight kid early on. Like, I personally, I think he'd be the best fit in Minnesota. I know a lot of people say, oh, but they have Culver and they have um, Okogi. You know, sometimes you just got to get the best. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Best player overall, and I feel like he'd be a really good fit, and they could actually have a possible big three there with Edwards, um, obviously Townsend Russell. And I just think there's there's just something about him. If you watched, uh, I I mean, obviously I've 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 locked, looked at pretty much all this kid's highlights, but when he played against um, Michigan State in like the Maui Invitational tournament, he just absolutely went off. He hit seven three pointers. It was like it was a show. They ended up losing, but you could tell he was the best player on the floor. So I think the upside is is pretty sky high. Um, baseline for this year that's where it gets difficult what is i don't i don't see him averaging more than 15 a game but as a rookie if he can do that with a full stat line it could be solid and i definitely think as the years go on he'll he'll start to the game once the game slows down a little around him he could be super super effective for fantasy yeah i mean he's someone that i've liked um just based on all the draft prep that i've done since march i think that he has the ability to be an above average to a good uh, scoring shooting guard. The problem that I have with him is that there are teams, and this is the same thing with Lomelo, there have been teams that have seemed to not be as interested in him. Teams like the Golden State Warriors, and maybe that's because they're just you know creating a smokescreen or they want to have someone who is willing to trade up or anything like that. But... You also haven't seen, you know, a team like the Wolves who are able to commit to someone like a Lamelo or an Edwards because they're unsure about what they want to do, and that kind of shows that there's no one who has necessarily stood out in this class. They don't necessarily like 
how he brings himself and carries himself as a as a teammate, how he acts as you know an individual for the team. Uh, there's a something about him that doesn't necessarily jump out as saying. I'm able to make it work, and I think that's what scares some teams off. Does that scare you off, Ray, from a fantasy perspective that there are teams that are at the top that don't necessarily want a player like Edwards potentially? Uh, obviously, it could all be smoke screens, but is that something that you worry about as a fantasy owner? Honestly, I'm not necessarily worried about that because I think whoever drafts him, he's going to play. Whoever drafts him, he's going to play. There's going to be games where you're sitting there, and you're going to be saying, what the heck did I just do? He's going to go, you know, two for 12 shooting, and he's going to have seven points, and he's not going to get back on defense. He's going to get benched, whatever. But, I mean, then we have to realize, all right, yeah, this kid's still a rookie. But if you look at the tape, and if you look at what he did against Michigan State, like Nick said, there, there there's too many good things here. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the draft is really all about upside. I mean, obvious – I mean, obvious – Obviously, if you're talking about, like, in the Dynasty League, I think Dynasty League is very different than Redraft, and you're going to approach it, I think, in a different direction. But I think in the Dynasty League, you need the best talent out of your rookie draft and let the shifts fall where they, where they may. If you're talking just about a simple Redraft League, maybe Edwards is going to be the better fantasy player than Ball, but Ball might suit your team better than Edwards based on if you can get more consistent across-the-board production from Ball than someone like an Edwards. Edwards is going to maybe be a little streakier, but he's going to have that upside. And that you know that if everything breaks right, you can put Edwards on a court tomorrow, and it's very possible he scores 30 points and dominates Center with highlights. So it's not necessarily to say that that's the best fantasy approach, but I think... In this situation, you have to you have to go with the talent. And the fact that he can make shots, he has the range, he can get to the hoop. Maybe maybe you're going to be lacking a little more on the on you know on the rebellion side, on the assist side. But I think he can, he he'll be able to he'll be able to score in buckets. And I think if you're looking at just the draft, he's an exciting player to watch. I think based on your fantasy team, I think it's going to – you kind of have to look at him as a lesser Oladipo or Beal or somebody like that. Roy, is there a team that you expect could draft him that you feel this is the best spot for him fantasy-wise as opposed to any other team? I mean, just looking at the lottery, I mean, Golden State's interesting – from the sense that if he can kind of come in and just play off those other guys, and no one's going to necessarily be paying attention to him, and they're just gonna and they're just gonna fly up and down the court and he's gonna have the possessions. I mean, a place like Charlotte or Chicago, where they play a little slower, I'm not as necessarily sold, but I think like he's one, he's one of those guys that I think he's gonna be better in more of a full court than just a slow down half court. Situation. I mean, maybe Cleveland pair him with Sexton. That might be an interesting fit. Yeah, there's there's some spots that I do worry about him. Obviously, with Billy Donovan now in Chicago, the pace is going to be different. Um, and that's just you know that's just how he's played in Oklahoma City. I'm not sure how he would necessarily fit there, just based on them having players like Levine 
and you know other players like Laurie Markinen, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Wendell Carter Jr., you know Kobe White. I'm not sure if he's necessarily going to be able to be as successful fantasy wise because all those players, you know, they do have their little niche in that type of role and that rotation. So I'm not sure where. Edwards comes in and is able to succeed. He may be a better off the bench kind of guy in Chicago, kind of like Kobe White. And, you know, a team like Charlotte, I'm not sure how beneficial that entire team is going to be if you have three inefficient scorers with Graham, with Rozier, and with Edwards playing the one through three. There's not a lot of defense um, on the wings there, and then there's no bigs that can help them out. So, you know, there are different types of situations that I do worry about where he could go. Um, it's kind of like Nick was saying, the best spot that he could potentially go is something like Minnesota, or you have a team maybe like a Atlanta, like Atlanta that trades up for him, and he ends up with Trey Young, which then can take some of the pressures away, um, and they don't necessarily have a definite two-guard there that necessarily commands the attention that someone like Edwards may. Uh, Nick, one of your favorite players in this draft is James Wiseman, and I know that you and I have talked about him numerous times, and you have a lot to say about him. What are you most excited about from him from a fantasy perspective? Is it just the potential upside of everything that he has, or is there a specific skill that he brings to the table that you really love about him? Um, I, I wouldn't call it anything specific except for the fact that he just has the, I mean, the positional, the positional value of being a center. Um, I know in a lot of dynasties, there's people who are scrapping it out at center or something along those lines. And I just think all around his all around game is, is exactly what you'd want. in like a franchise center type, a top, like he's just, he's just, uh, he's that big that, that can really just, He's gonna rack up a bunch of points, rebounds. He'll get you blocks. Like um, I'm not. I I definitely have. Well, we've spoken. Obviously, we've spoken about him privately, and um, I agree with you on the fact that there are going to be some fantasy categories where he just doesn't. He's just a non-contributor. Um, and you know, it is what it is. I'm sure his free throw percentage won't be anything great. Um, assists are going to be pretty much non-existent. Steals non-existent. Threes non-existent. Um. So that aspect to him um, makes him a little harder to just lock in as your fantasy number one. Um, but I definitely see him being, you know, maybe a, maybe not as a, um, maybe not as great, but up there with Aiton as just a uh, your classic big man. I mean, he's seven foot one, and I really wish that the whole, you know, all the adversity didn't happen at Memphis because it would have been really great to see more of him. But I think no matter what you're getting, this kid is just, he, he's pretty much, a, I, I consider him to be can't miss. I don't think he's going to be like a Jalil Okafor or Nerland's Noel type of big. I think he's cut out to be an NBA center. And, you know, we'll see if he's able to adjust his game and grow to the, the, the modern big. But I think regardless, he should he should easily pan out and, that's that's the interest that or that's what draws me to him is just I, I genuinely believe you you know what you're getting out of him. 
Yeah, I mean, this is exactly like we've talked about. There's times in which I don't necessarily like everything that he said, but then the time, and this was a couple of months ago, you made a comparison of him to Aiton, and I'm a big Aiton guy, and it's just like the more I looked into it, the more I really saw a comparison there. Obviously, I would have liked to have him play more than three games in college for me to be able to get a better assessment of what he actually brings to the table. But I could see him being someone like an eight and a light um, because I know that he could get blocks and he can get rebounds. He can have a good field goal percentage and he can score. And obviously, it depends on where he goes. Like him going to Charlotte is probably the best fantasy spot for him because he's going to be able to play with other guards who are inefficient, which gives him more offensive rebound opportunities. They play at a pretty fast pace, so there's going to be rebound opportunities there. Their defense as a whole isn't great, which can allow him to pick up some defensive stats. Um, He should be able to get some uh, easy field goals. He's obviously big, so as long as he's able to continue filling out, you know, it's a good fancy spot for him. Obviously, a place like Minnesota is not a great spot. Uh, Chicago's not a great spot. Someone like Cleveland's not a great spot. Um, so unless someone else that's outside the top five is moving up to grab him or if he ends up going to Golden State. But even if he goes to Golden State, I'm not necessarily – thrilled about what he could potentially bring fancy wise because at the end of the time at the end of the game he's unlikely to be playing there uh depending on how it is because he's not a he's not great for the line he's not a three-point shooter you know you saw players like Bogut and um JaVale McGee and players like that play only 25 minutes a game and obviously they didn't have as much talent as Wiseman brings to the table but I also can't guarantee that Wiseman's going to be getting more than 25 minutes a game with big fancy stats playing in some place like Golden State, where at the end of the game they could just have Draymond playing the five, and they could have other players that are out there that aren't James Wiseman, and that's what worries me. Ray, uh, what is your opinion of Wiseman? Do you think that he's potentially the top fancy pick in this draft because of the skills and untapped potential that he could bring? Or is this someone that depending on where he goes, you're going to fade him? Not this. Well, for me, I guess, obviously yeah, depending like if he goes to Minnesota, I'm going to fade him a little bit, but at the same time, I don't think a team is going to take Wiseman if they don't have a legitimate plan for him and a situation where he can succeed. I think it's different maybe than, with the center than, you know, than with other positions. But I would have obviously liked to see him play more than three games with Memphis. I think he's big enough and athletic enough that he's going to get fantasy production without necessarily having to have a true game plan for him. But I think he's just going to kind of be around the rim. I think it's going to work. I mean, there's not that many traditional centers out there anymore anyway. So I think, I mean, obviously you have to worry about, you know, the size for him, not necessarily the height, but the muscle, the strength. I think that's something that's going to have to bear out. And, I mean, as far as centers go, obviously, it's, you know, after you get past the first few in your fantasy leagues, pigments get slim and it goes downhill quickly. So I would rather someone like Wiseman that has the upside than someone that doesn't. I think 
he's definitely the most interesting player in the draft. I'll say that. And I think teams might take it slow with him. It's going to be interesting to see where his condition is at. This question will be posed to both of you, but who, I, and obviously this is entirely dependent on where they're going, but who is your most likely top fantasy player in this year's draft? Obviously, let's say, you know, for mock draft purposes, let's say Edward does go to one and Wamel goes to two, Wiseman goes three, Danny four, so on and so forth down the list. Is there someone that is far and above the top fantasy player for you, Nick, um, in this year's draft? I definitely wouldn't say far and above. Um, I think if it goes how, yeah, how I predict it to go is Edwards one, Melo, and then um, James Wiseman three. I definitely agree with you 100% where if he goes to Charlotte, uh, Wiseman, that's a perfect fit. As far as for fantasy, he's going to be playing 35 minutes a game. They have nothing to lose. Like, they they don't have a true center. Like they don't have a, a, a guy, a future guy that they want for ten years at center. Um I think that if if, if it goes in that uh, in that direction, I probably put Wiseman at one just on immediate fantasy upside. Um and definitely in redraft leagues, he would easily be number one for me. Um the only consideration otherwise would be you know, Edwards and Ball. It's if if you're in a if you're in a league where you're also let's say you have the first pick and you're dead last in your league, you might want to swing for the fences and hope that Edwards does turn into this um, you know, D Mitch light or not even light, but just a a different, a little bit of a different uh, statistical skill set. But yeah, that type of impact. Um, so I mean, I if they all land there, it's probably Wiseman for me. What about you, Ray? Yeah, it's Wiseman, and I think the positional scarcity is probably the bigger thing for me that I mean. I think Edwards might have the best fantasy season, but I'm getting, but if I'm looking as far as my draft board, I'm going to give Wiseman the, the nod because, of the, because it's that much harder to find centers. And now a message from our sponsors. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Fair enough. Why don't we move into um, our fourth player, and that's Denny Avedia. Um, there's a lot that I feel he brings to the fantasy table. I'm not sure how much draft prep you guys have done on someone like him. Um, as he is you know, an international player, we don't have as much footage on him. But he's someone who feels like he's more of a role player, but a very high floor level role player. He brings 
a lot to the table. He can be a good defensive player. He has a hard work ethic. Uh, he can shoot threes. He can score. He can facilitate. He's a good cutter. There's a lot of things that he brings to the table. The worst fancy trait that he brings is his ability to shoot at the line. Uh, I believe through about like 150 attempts or so over the last um, two years, he's only shooting like about 52%. So obviously there's a lot of attempts uh, that he's just leaving out there and there's a lot of free points. And that's something that has been proven to uh, be somewhat of a correlation between that and an improved three point shot and an improved efficiency trait. So I feel that that is something to worry about from a fantasy perspective for him. But Ray, what is your opinion of Denny and what do you think that he brings to the table that you are most excited about from a fantasy perspective? I, it's hard for me to sit here and say, okay, fine. He does this great. And this is the standout skill of his. And this is why I'm excited about him. It's more the full, it's really more the full package here. And I think a lot of it's going to be role dependent. I don't think like, I'm not sure he fits perfectly in this positionless basketball era that we're kind of in. I don't know that he's necessarily explosive enough or talented enough to come over here and say, he's going to be a point guard or a point forward. And the offense is going to run through him. I mean, maybe if you guys see it, otherwise let me know, but that's not necessarily the impression I got. I think he's just going to be a very good player. Going to give us almost like a, like a ball light from a fantasy perspective, or maybe kind of similar to, to ball that I think he, he does a lot of things very good. I'm a little intrigued to see how his explosiveness and his athleticism translates to the NBA as well. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, he seems kind of like someone who's like, uh, kind of like a Nicholas Batum, uh, with a worse free throw percentage, um, because he's able to kind of do everything, but does nothing great and doesn't stand out, um, as a high end fancy type option. Obviously, Batum had a couple of good years, but for the most part has been more of a middling guy who has all the tools in the world, but doesn't get to put everything together from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Nick, do you kind of agree that that is someone who has a good floor because he does a lot of things well, but doesn't have the upside that brings him to the top tier fancy options because he doesn't do anything great and he's never necessarily going to be a big time guy other than maybe some, you know, like a Blake Griffin who gets five assists as a power forward. I don't necessarily see any type of discernible skills that brings that he brings to the table necessarily. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, something that a lot of fantasy people, um, or should I say fantasy casuals, will be thinking is, oh, you know, well, we don't really know much about this kid. For all we know, he could be Luca, And it's just like, that. that's very problematic because I don't see anywhere near the overall skill set of Luca even coming out. Um, I think to me, like... Obviously, the more recent, I really hope he's not like a Mario Hazonia. Um, that would not be, uh, that would be pretty much a complete dud. But I think that what he really, uh, his upside to me more is more along the lines of like Manu Ginobili, except as a, as a, as a forward. Um, and I think that that's more of the baseline that I'd be looking at. I'm definitely not drafting this kid to all of a sudden become 
25, five and five. And, you know, the, it's, I agree with Ray, the athleticism, we'll see how that translates. And I definitely think he's got the skill set to be, you know, a fantasy contributor, maybe a top 80 guy year in, year out, top 65, something like that. Um, but it's almost like at that point, you might like I, I I don't know if I'd have him at number four on my dynasty rankings just just on that alone of not really knowing exactly what he's great at. He's a pretty good shooter. Like he's 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 good at he's good at a little bit of everything for fantasy. And yeah, the Butum comparison that would definitely not be someone that you'd want as your you know heir apparent so to speak in fantasy. Yeah, obviously for someone like him. His role with me drafting him from the fantasy perspective is entirely dependent on where he's going. You know, someone like a Wiseman, he could go to a bad situation. And I'd be like, I know he has upside. Or Lamelo, I feel that he has certain upside that he could go to a place like Minnesota and still succeed because he could still have eight assists a night and twenty and sixteen points or something like that. Denny, I feel that if he's not going to Chicago or to Golden State. There's not a really good fit for him necessarily. I feel Cleveland could potentially be a somewhat decent fit because they don't necessarily have anyone to play to three, and they don't necessarily have anyone who has the top playmaking ability on that team. Obviously, Garland is more of a shooting guard. Sexton is a lead guard, but he's not necessarily a big assist guy. So Denny could fit into that type of role, but we know how bad Cleveland is that I feel that he could kind of get swallowed down from a fantasy perspective there because of how bad the surrounding team is. Um, even though they have good players, I feel like that team still sucks. So I feel like I need him to go to a spot for me to actually be able to rely on him from a fantasy perspective. Why don't we move on to our next player, and that's uh, Onieka Okonwu. I don't know if I botched that, but I feel like I got it as close as I could. <laughs> so, uh, Ray, what are you expecting from him as a center? He's obviously a little bit undersized. He's kind of like a, a Bam Adebayo in terms of size. He has the ability to shoot a little. Um, he can pass. He's obviously a very big defensive presence. What are you expecting from Okonwu uh, from a fantasy perspective? And do you have a comp that you would liken him to? Wait, Ben, one more time. Can you just tell me which player we're talking about? We're talking about Okonwu. What's his first name? Onieka. There you go. It was all it was all a ploy just to see how you could potentially bounce, <laughs> uh, you know, just totally maul this poor kid's name. But um, I think the I think the Bam comparison is probably the most accurate and the best place to start with him. I think the interesting stat to me that jumps off the page is, hey, he shot 72% from the free throw line in college. So I think that's a nice touch. And I think, obviously, if you look at him and you look at Wiseman, they're two very, even though they they play kind of the same position, they're two very different-looking players. And I think Wiseman is getting, right, wrong, and different, a lot more attention. And I think that, to me, I mean, maybe it could just mean me being stubborn and crazy or wanting to take a different direction. But based on the price, I'm more interested. I'm more interested in Okonwo than Wiseman, based on potentially the price that it's going to take 
and the fact that we've got to see him a little bit more in college as well. What about you, Nick? What what do you think of Akon Wu? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like. Obviously, it's it's hard not to see the uh, the Bam comparison. Um, I think a little bit of. I mean, Bam definitely was not given the reins. Uh, you know, I mean, Akon Wu scored sixteen points per game uh, in college, and even Bam was developed for a couple of years as a, as a backup um, behind Whiteside, but. I, I definitely think that the skill set is very similar in that they're just going to stuff the, the stat sheet for you in a bunch of different ways. Um, I don't know that his passing will um, get to the level of BAM uh, as far as numbers are concerned. I don't see the 16, 10, and 5, um, but I definitely see 16, 10, a couple of assists, really nice steals and blocks, and that, that right there is, is what makes him so interesting, I think. Um, and, you know, it's kind of... It is similar to Wiseman in that, but but the versatility with steals and um, obviously, yeah, seeing the free throw percentage. I mean, we didn't get too much of a sample size with Wiseman, but the free throw percentage is very important, especially if you want a big man that gives you your classic big man stats but doesn't hurt you in any places besides three-pointers. I think he definitely fits the bill, and I – I definitely think he he's he's a pretty surefire uh, guy in the NBA. Uh, I don't know how much he'll score immediately, but I think he'll be a nice fantasy piece right away. Yeah, the tough thing for me about him is you've seen mocks uh, that he can go anywhere in that top ten. I mean, outside of pick one, where I haven't seen him go at all, I have seen him range between two and two and nine on multiple occasions. Um, and I, and I'm a little bit worried that there's, you know, certain spots where he could go that he's just not going to necessarily develop. Like, I don't want to necessarily see a player like him in New York where they already have a Mitchell Robinson type guy. And I don't feel that they're, they're necessarily going to be able to develop him as well. I understand Tibbs is there and he likes to play his young guys, uh, to a degree, but he likes to have good defensive guys. So, Kanwu helps in that capacity, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to develop enough of an offensive game playing in some place like New York. The most uh, consistent place that I've seen him go is Washington, and I feel that he could be in a good spot there, provided that they don't trade someone like Bradley Beal. If Bradley Beal gets traded, all bets are off that that's a good spot for him because he doesn't have the ability to take offensive attention away from other players and John Wall coming back from his injury is unlikely to be able to demand as much defensive attention as he used to. So as a result, there's just too many things that could go wrong in Washington. If Bradley Beal is gone, Bradley Beal is there that, that, you know, that's another piece that can help him and help him develop. But Oconwu is someone who, you know, you're going to be able to rely on defensive uh, stats, and you're going to be able to get a good field goal, and you're going to be able to get rebounding. If the assist and the free throws are there, that's an added bonus. If he's able to get about 12 to 17 points a game, that's roughly where I expect him to be for his rookie year, unless he's just in a in a bad spot like uh, like Cleveland, where you're going to develop him behind Andre Drummond with the expectation that Drummond's going to leave after a year. Would you agree with that, Nick? Yes, I would. I, I think landing spot is going to be a huge determinant for a lot of these guys. Um, and, you know, um, 
yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland is just that's the that's a curveball. It's whoever ends up in Cleveland, it <laughs> we're gonna have to really figure out what they're gonna do with him. I think they could really use a small forward, power forward more. Um, if they end up with one of the guards or centers, it could definitely be a fantasy nightmare. Yeah, I agree. All right, why don't we move into the next player, and we're going to be talking about Obi Topin. Uh, Obi is one of the best offensive players in this draft. He's someone who doesn't bring a lot of skills defensive uh, uh, skills defensively. I feel that you know he could be someone like a Blake Griffin in that type of capacity, where he could still score. He could score from everywhere on the floor. Uh, he'll probably have a better field goal percentage. Um, he's going to have a better free throw percentage as well. He's probably not going to get as many of assists, but what do you expect from Obi uh, going forward in this draft, uh, Ray? I I think it's you mentioned Hayward, Gordon Hayward earlier, as far as what he did with Butler in the tournament, I guess 10, 11 years ago, whatever that is. Topping could have had the same effect, but it doesn't seem to be impacting him as he, I mean, he's still sixth player on ESPN's board here. Uh, I I want I mean I like what he did in college, kind of came out of nowhere in a sense last year, but he's t- going to be taking a big step up in competition, and I'm a little afraid on the size and the athleticism of how it's going to translate. I think he's a good enough player to carve out a, a decent NBA career, but I'm not sure how much upside we're talking here. What about you, Nick? What what do you feel Obi brings to the table or doesn't bring to the table? Yeah, I definitely um, – you're not drafting this guy to be like some all of a sudden just like a Shaquille O'Neal or something. I, I don't see that type of upside from him, obviously. Um, I think, I think you know, if he could pan out and be uh, – I think panning out for him would be like Sean Marion. Um, just a versatile forward who can kind of – do a lot of different things for you. Um, I agree on the defensive end. He's, he's not going to be like that, like some three combined steals and blocks type of guy at the NBA level. I just don't see it. I think his defensive numbers may look more like canter. Um, but on the, just the overall versatility, you know, I think he'll, I think, I don't think he'll have a problem scoring at the NBA level. Once he gets a little bit adjusted, rebounding should be fine. Passing percentages. Um, and the fact that he he has somewhat of a three point shot uh, gives him a shot to play more of a stretch four um, role. So hopefully that's another one where if he goes somewhere where he, he's definitely going to start, he's he's a lot more interesting for fantasy um, than if you went somewhere where he'd be getting twenty minutes or eighteen minutes a game. Yeah, I agree. I feel like uh, you know I feel like I've seen him end up in Cleveland a fair amount. And I feel like that's not necessarily a great spot for him because they would have him coming off the bench. You know, I feel like someone like Golden State would be good if they were able to to drop back a little bit. And for someone who maybe wants a mellow ball at two, um, you know, maybe fall back to like seven or eight, somewhere like that, where you could draft him. And I feel like he could be beneficial in that type of lineup where you don't necessarily need him to be as big of a defensive stud. You know, they already have to hide Curry to a capacity. Um, they could, you know, learn how to hide Topin as well. Why don't we move on to the next player? This is my least favorite of the top 10, uh, Isaac Okoro. I feel from a fantasy perspective, due to his ineffectiveness on offense and his 
ability to likely develop an offensive game, I feel that he's going to struggle to be able to produce any type of relevant fantasy skills. Obviously, he has a lot of defensive ability, but you know, you had someone like DeAndre Hunter who had defensive skills as well and didn't really look great from a fantasy perspective last year. And same with Jared Culver. Um, those guys had good defensive skills, but didn't translate from a fantasy perspective. Um, Okaru doesn't have uh, the ability to shoot well at the line at all. And, you know, he shot 67% from the line. He shot 29% from three. Those are not great numbers. And uh, scoring 16 points per 40 minutes in college is also not very helpful for someone who is considered the top and in the top seven for the fantasy big board. I feel that from a fantasy perspective, he won't bring much to the table. Do you agree with that, Nick? Yeah, I agree. I think I, honestly, no matter what, that's a, he, he's more of the real life skill guy. You know, when you have a two way player like that, um, it's just like you're dreaming on his, you know, just implement putting him straight in and what he's going to do for you defensively. And he's very, very athletic. So, um, he definitely has, he's definitely interesting, but, um, yeah, going back to the scoring and you know what, sometimes for these wings, it takes a few years to, to really marinate in the NBA. Um, I mean, I personally don't think he fits in, uh, in the top 10 I, to me, I would have him, uh, with all the guys we're talking, I'd probably have him right at 10 or maybe even behind a couple of the guys we'll be talking about next episode. Um, for fantasy, definitely, I'd put him more around 12, 13. Um, but you know, uh, he's definitely a very talented player. You watch him, you watch him play. He, he makes highlight plays. Um, it, it, it's definitely more along the lines of let's hope he's not Stanley Johnson. You know, I mean, I hate to, <laughs> I hate to like curse him with that already, but, it, you know, we've seen this, this, uh, we've seen this play before. Um, and you know, if you're looking at more of an upside comparison, you'd hope maybe he in a couple of years can become like a Kelly Oubre or that type of wing as far as fantasy is concerned. Um, if he could, you know, get that three-point percentage from 29 to even 33, 34, and move that free throw percentage up a little, then he could definitely be more intriguing. What about you, Ray? Do you think anything that Okaru brings to the table is fantasy useful? I honestly don't think so. I mean, I think the most useful thing is that his defensive ability is going to get him onto the floor. And yeah, he can rebound, but he's still we're still talking about a guy that's six six in the realm of rebounding. So yeah, for a guard, it's nice comparatively speaking. But if he's not going to score, can't shoot free throws, can't shoot threes, he's at, you know in a few years maybe he's gonna he's gonna have a legitimate real life NBA role. But I don't see it from a fantasy perspective, and I'm also not sure I see him going or how he would go top ten in the draft. He's one of those guys that goes, you know, later in the first round to a team that's a playoff team and is looking at him as your eighth ninth guy eighth or ninth guy to kind of fill a role. So he's not on my fantasy radar. Yeah, I mean for me he could he could potentially turn into someone like an OG and a Wabi. Um I just I don't know that he's going to develop enough of a three point shooting game that he's going to be able to bring to the table. Yeah, he can have a decent field goal because he, he basically takes shots within 10 feet. But at the end of the day, I, unless he gets open cuts or fast breaks, I don't really see him bringing much to the table. So he could be someone like 
a 10-point-per-game guy with maybe a steal and a half and six boards, but from a fantasy perspective, that's either someone who's on your bench or on the waiver wire. Obviously, in Dynasty, you're going to draft someone like him, but you know, outside of that, I don't even see him being relevant for, for redraft leagues. And now, a message from our sponsors. Uh, Ray, uh, Nick, why don't we move into Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, he obviously missed part of the year uh, with an injury, but he's someone who was considered one of the top point guards. Now, obviously, he's number eight on our list. What are you expecting from him, Nick, that is going to be useful for span, uh, for fantasy purposes? I think definitely his abilities as a shooter um, and just uh, in general, he just he seems like the type of guy who rises to his competition. Um, I mean, I didn't see too much of him at Iowa State. I, I've seen some highlights, and he's definitely he, he, he's an intriguing guard. Um, just overall, the skill set, uh, I'm interested in it. I think I think he could definitely be a solid uh, vers- fantasy versatile player. Um, and you know, I, I I don't. I also was a little confused that he was so high initially, and then it's like once you go in and you see that he was winning with Iowa State and pretty much making them relevant and making big buckets for them. Uh, that's what's really interesting. Um, but I definitely think that his ability to shoot is going to be what sets him apart in fantasy, um, and he should be a solid defensive player as well and get you a little bit of everything as far as just. In nine category formats, probably he'd be one of those who's near the top in the rookies at um, just play at just uh, if you look at player ranking, just because he'll do a little of everything and not really hurt you anywhere. Yeah, I mean, one downside to someone like him, he doesn't he doesn't really go and drive to the basket. He obviously has a very thin frame. He only took 71 free throws in 57 uh, career college games. Um, his team was 10, 12 this year. So you need to have him developing in a place like maybe Atlanta, where they have some other pieces that can help them win now and take the next step. Uh, but if you put him somewhere on like the Knicks expecting him to become like a lead guard that can lead them to a championship, that's not where he's going to be able to succeed. He's going to be better playing off the ball and playing as a secondary ball handler, playmaker and distributor, uh, being a spot up shooter being able to have someone who's good enough to break down defenses and kick out to open players. That's where he's going to be able to succeed. So he's someone who is very uh, landing spot de- dependent for me, for me to be able to like him. Obviously I understand what he brings to the table. I just don't see him as a big time scorer. I don't see him as a big time assist guy. I don't see him as a big time rebounds guy. Um, so, and in, while he ha- he'll have a good free throw percentage, he's not going to get to the line that often that he's going to be able to consistently help you from there. So you're going to have a decent field goal. You're going to maybe have some points. You're going to have a couple of assist eight chips and some threes and maybe some steals. So from that standpoint, it's useful, but it's nothing that's super great from a fantasy perspective in my eyes. Uh, what about you, Ray? Where where do you see someone like Hal Burton being most beneficial? What do you see him doing that's going to help from uh, a fantasy perspective for fantasy owners? Yeah, I mean, the fact that he does not get to the free throw line as a point guard, 71 attempts in 57 games, like that's, cra- like, that's crazy to me. I mean, I still, think there's a, I still think there's a good amount to like from him, 
but he's more. I mean, he's more just a solid, solid player, and I'm not sure he's going to do enough to jump off the page. Right? Is someone like a Halliburton, you know, someone that you consider higher than an Obi Topin or a Denny Avagia? Um, because their floors kind of seem like they could obviously all be in the same type of realm because they all obviously have their flaws. But where where do you kind of rank him amongst like those type of players that do some things good and then some things they just are non-existent in? Well, I think somebody like a Navidia uh, does a lot of things. So I mean, I think he does more things than Halliburton. I have Hallib- I have him ahead of Halliburton, but Halliburton above to- above Toppin. And what about you, Nick? Are you in? Uh... Are you in the same boat or similar boat to what Nick uh, to what Ray has? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably have. Uh, well, obviously, depending on the spot, if they all end up in good places where they're going to get minutes, uh, I'd probably have Ob like at uh, above uh, Danny right there, and then afterwards Tyrese. Um, yeah, the, the the free throw. I mean, the lack of getting to the free throw is super concerning. So that's probably his biggest red flag. Uh, is is he going to be aggressive enough to score at the NBA level? especially with higher defense, with better defense and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I definitely um, think that the rebound assist and steal potential is what kind of makes him very interesting. Yeah. Why don't we move into one of the players who I'm highest in in this draft class, and that's Patrick Williams. I've seen big boards have him anywhere between 5 and 18. So uh, ESPN has him right in the middle of those, um, and he's at number 9 for us. He's uh, the youngest player that's coming out of the NCAA um, for this draft. He's someone who has defensive intensity. Uh, he, he brings a lot to the table. Obviously he's going to have to go to a spot where he can develop more as an offensive player. Cause he doesn't bring as much to the forefront there. Um, he can be a good scorer. Uh, he just needs time to develop. He at least gets to the free throw line. He hit 84% of his long, uh, shots there. He can shoot to three, he can shoot to mid range. There's just a lot of uncertainty that you have with him, given his age and all of that. So, Ray, what are you expecting from someone like Patrick Williams, and who do you think is um, a good comp for him? I mean, to be honest, if you go through some of these guys that we just talked about, you could almost not, you know, not to say that we're boring because far from it. I mean, maybe Ben, but that's a different story. Like you can kind of fall asleep through some of these guys, and it's like, okay, yeah, they're nice players. Yada, yada, yada. All is said and done, and I'm not talking about 2021. I'm talking about like 23, 24. Patrick Williams very well could be the best player from this class. The fact, I mean, he's starting out as one of the youngest. So, I mean, he has more time to grow. It might be a little more frustrating, but yeah, he needs to grow into the scoring and he's raw offensively, but he can shoot. He can hit threes. He has the mid range. He can hit free throws. He's athletic. Seven-foot wingspan. I mean, I look at him and I look at somebody like a Siakam, like that, like that kind of that, that kind of player. I mean, I'm I don't want to necessarily you know jump on Ben's coattails as far as touting him, but I I think Williams could this year might be tough, but I think Williams very well could could finish the top player in the class. 
I think your Siakam comparison is an intelligent one from the fact that Siakam is someone who needed time to develop, and he needed time to develop behind someone like a Kawhi Leonard and uh, a Serge Ibaka. The problem is, is I have seen Patrick Williams go in mock drafts to someone like the Detroit Pistons, where I feel he's not going to be able to develop necessarily because there's not a lot of offensive weapons there. And when you have someone who's very raw offensively and needs time to develop, throwing him into a situation where he's not necessarily ready to contribute right away, it's going to make him an inefficient player. And that's kind of like what you saw with Kevin Knox. You saw Kevin Knox get thrown into the fire because New York didn't have a lot of options and it made him an inefficient player. Then the following year, he basically got pushed out of the rotation because he didn't have a lot of confidence in his abilities. He didn't do anything for the coaches to say, we got to get this kid more minutes. I don't want to see someone like that with a Patrick Williams. Someone, uh, I've seen mock drafts that have him going to uh, San Antonio. I feel that would be a good spot for him to be able to develop, especially if they keep a little Marcus Aldridge there and they keep a DeMar DeRozan for a year. Having Derek White and other players like that that can take some of the offensive talent and help distribute to him, I feel that that's a place where he's able to develop and turn into you know, a Kawhi Leonard-esque player because this is what Kawhi had coming out of college. Obviously, Kawhi had more of an offensive game, but he had a lot of defensive abilities. He needed to re- refine his offensive game. He was still raw, and San Antonio helped develop him. What, what, what do you think, Nick? Do you think some someone like Patrick is going to be like how Ray and I see it, that he's going to be one of the top guys in this class? Do you think that he's someone that you know could turn into like a Kevin Knox if he goes into a bad situation, or is he somewhere in between? I think uh, I think somewhere in between. I don't I don't see him complete the bottom just completely falling out with him if he ends up in the bad situation. Um, I, I, as you guys know, I'm a Florida State guy, so I I love this kid and I think he's definitely like I'm, I agree more in line with what you guys are saying um, that he does have extreme upside. And yeah, I like the Siakam comparison because at the end of the day, as much as we like Siakam, we you also see some shortcomings from time to time, and he doesn't look like the type of guy who's just gonna you know, be this ultralight beam and turn, you know, go 30 points per night and all of a sudden, you know, just an MVP candidate. I, I don't see that. So, um, but the skills are definitely there. And honestly, I mean, it might be selfish as a, as an FSU guy. Um, I think the later he, the later he falls, the more chance for upside he'll have. As a, if he ends up in the right spot, I mean, I've definitely heard a lot about him going to the Spurs and, you know, that's interesting, but it also is a little worrisome just in the fact that I don't want him to just be completely, um, I, I don't want him to, to just be completely like, you know, out of the rotation as a rookie. I want him to be involved. Um, and I hope he's not just like, oh, the Popovich project, like in the G League. Uh, I think he's definitely better than that. But um, the skill set is very intriguing for fantasy. I'll say that. Nick, is there a spot do you think he should land that's going to be far and above better than any other place? Obviously, you seem a little unsure about San Antonio. Is there a place that you feel he develops and is a perfect spot for him to develop in? Um, I mean, <laughs> this is another selfish one, but uh, I, I think a team like the Heat would be would be a really good spot for him where he can you know, learn a little bit on the job. I don't think he would be completely um, put into the 
uh, like, I don't think he'll be a D leaguer um, on a team like the heat, but I just want him to, you know, and that's where San Antonio is interesting because of the fact that he could actually develop and, you know, be with some of the better coaches in the league. So that is pretty nice. But I, I think if he landed in a spot like even Portland at 16, uh, that's a little far for him to fall, but that would be a pretty nice spot for him. Um, and another one that I wouldn't mind is, uh, no, nah, I was going to say Boston, but that, that kind of worries me too. They're just way too deep. <laughs> I feel like Brooklyn could be a decent spot for him if he was able to land because he has players like Duran, Kyrie that don't necessarily need a big offensive player, but he brings a lot defensively to the table, which they could use as uh, having a wing defender, and he could develop into a better spot there playing with those players. The problem is, is he doesn't have a coach that helps him develop. Obviously, he has D'Antoni there, but he'd basically be learning from players like Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, which is up for debate if there's actually um, a benefit to, you know, having a coach like that or not. So, mm-hmm. all right, guys, why don't we move into the last player? And we're going to talk about Killian Hayes. Um, I've seen some places that have Killian Hayes as a top player on their big board. I've seen um, him typically around number eight to 10. So I feel that this is a pretty good spot for him. He brings a fair amount of, uh, a, fantasy skills to the table i feel um he can he can shoot he can finish at the at the uh, the at the rim he can shoot shoot from the line he can rebound he can pass uh his biggest downside is that he's very uh left hand dominant and he doesn't use his right hand really at all so there are passes that he struggles to making with that right hand and that can negatively affect him against better players in the NBA as opposed to playing in France. Uh, so, Ray, what what do you kind of expect from Killian Hayes um, from a fantasy perspective, and, and are you high on him or not high on him? I'm moderately high on him. I mean, I think I do have him over Halliburton, to be honest. The, the no right-hand thing is a bit of a concern. I mean, he got through 72 pro games in France, with it, but I mean, obviously, the NBA is totally different level of competition. I like the size, I like the playmaking ability. I, you know, I, I think he can score some. I do, I, I, I like Hayes, but I'm just not sure that the ceiling is going to be there. That I think it's more what you see is what you get with him. He's going to make some improvements, but I mean, it's really going to come down to. Can he add that right hand? If he can add the right hand, then I think it's a different, totally different conversation. And what about you, Nick? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the handedness, or if he can, if he can add the right, that would be super crucial. But I, you know, I think just on obviously this, you know, we have not seen enough to be able to just all right. I know what this guy's going to be, um, but the skill set is very uh, defined, and I, you know, I think. You know, you could be looking at a Dennis Schroeder type of point guard where he gets, he, you know, he's just, he's your, not average point guard, so, but, you know, so to speak, he's like, he does everything you want your guard to do. Like, he's going to get you your assists, your steals, some nice threes. He's going to be great from the free throw line. Um, and so it'll just come, it, it, it's just going to be wondering, is he efficient at the NBA level? And is he able to, yeah, is he, is he able to be as good as he was? 
against NBA defenders and is he able to continue to grow? Cause he definitely has big time potential and um, he's the type that he easily could. I, I don't know if I would put him like, I've heard definitely some of him being top five. Um, I, I wouldn't put him that high, but at seven, eight, nine, like that's a guy who you can really try and bank on his upside and, and hope that he, that he just, you know, develops, develops and, and just ends up looking like a huge bargain. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, obviously, I've seen a lot of mocks where he could either go to the Knicks. I'm not sure how that develops. Um, I, I feel that they need more around him. Um, I feel like if they sign someone like a Fred Van Fleet, he could potentially be successful in New York. I've seen places like Phoenix. I feel like the most successful place would be Phoenix for him from the standpoint that he is able to succeed behind Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker and be able to develop. And uh, if you're going to learn how to ball handle from someone, there's you know not many players better than uh, Ricky Rubio to develop that from. Uh, Nick, I'm going to ask one last question before we wrap this up. Is there any players that are at the back half um, of this top 10 that you feel are significantly lower than where they actually should be? Um, and Ray, you'll have the same question posed to you. Well, I'm looking at six through 10. So, um, top in Okoro, Halliburton, William Hayes. Uh, my fa- my favorite there by far is, is, uh, Obi. Um, I just think, you know, from the fantasy perspective, he's, he's, he's a little older. He's going to come in and, and be that guy where he's just immediately a fantasy like not star, but immediately a fantasy contributor. Um, I mean, obviously we've seen it go uh, a bit astray for Kyle Kuzma, but I, I see that type of rookie year for Toppin where he, where he's got big trade value in dynasty leagues. And a lot of people want him because he's playing well in the moment or has three straight 18, 20, 22 point type games. Um, and, you know, uh, I think, I definitely think he, he fits in more with the top, uh, few guys we were talking about than with the last few we have. And what about you, Ray? You're saying that a six to ten. Who do I like? Yeah, is there anyone in that six to ten range that you feel should be higher than where ESPN has them on the big board, or someone that could you know potentially be close to the top three? Probably Hayes for me. Okay. And any reason for that? That I I, I think I, I'm going to bounce uh, back to the name, but. Azuna, I think he's he's four. I'm not sure that I see as far as they both played professionally in Europe. I'm not sure I see much difference between the two of them. Fair enough. All right, guys. Uh, well, that will wrap us up for our first half of the draft prospect uh, guide for the 2020 NBA draft. Uh, Ray, why don't you tell our listeners where you can be reached and what you're working on? I am on Twitter, Ray underscore Kuhn underscore 28. And obviously, as you just listened to us ramble on for the last hour, working on getting the Friends with Fantasy Benefits Fantasy Basketball podcast going for both draft season and we'll be with you through the upcoming season as well. Going to get going probably as we get closer to next baseball season, work with Ben on Fantasy Baseball podcast. And you can find my football rankings over at Roto Professor and also Fantasy DFS DFS experts covering football over there. But we also have a lot of great stuff with 
golf and the other sports when they are in season. And we're going to be looking to get our basketball coverage going there soon as well. So you can come check that out. And what about you, Nick? So, yeah, you guys can hit me up on uh, pretty much all platforms at Nick Alatriste, A-L-A-T-R-I-S-T-E. Um, I've been putting a lot of energy into um, my, it's basically like a comedy podcast, is Banterheads. So if you guys uh, haven't heard or you want to go ahead and follow at Banterheads on, on pretty much all platforms, you can search it on Google. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited. I was working in the baseball um I was working with the Marlins for a couple of years, so I wasn't able to do much as far as fantasy baseball. So I'm I'm excited that I'll be able to to do that a little more. And um, yeah, for fantasy basketball, I'd love to be on with you guys for for the fantasy basketball part. I think we could do some pretty great things, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you. And I can be reached at of WFB. Um, I'll be doing other basketball podcasts. We're going to be doing a show a week. And I will be doing two different baseball shows uh, during the year. 